Hi, everybody. I'm Chuck Bowen, the editor of Lawn and Landscape magazine. You're listening today to the Lawn Care Radio Network. I'm here today with Richard Rustusha, Director of Water Management Solutions for Valley Crest Companies and a contributor to Lawn and Landscape magazine. We're here today to talk about California's Water Conservation and Landscaping Act of 2006, which eventually took effect in 2010. Uh, so you may be wondering, why are we talking about state-specific legislation that was enacted two years ago? Well, apart from the fact that I think Richard is just a really smart guy and I enjoy talking with him, California's AB 1881 is an example of how legislation seen by many as a threat to the industry could really be an opportunity for contractors. And as water supplies become more scarce and intense drought becomes more normal, these kind of regulations are going to spread from California to the rest of the country. Richard, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chuck. It's great to be here. So uh, I guess to start, can you give our listeners an overview of what AB 1881 did in California? Sure, you bet. Um, you know, 18, AB 1881 is uh, fairly uh, complex with a lot of details, but I'll do my best just to summarize it into a, a few bullets uh, uh, this morning. There's really few changes from previous 1990 law, which was AB 325. And it's really, and this is what I like so much about it, it's really aimed at using irrigation technology that's going to solve a lot of common problems that we have in irrigation. It's really aimed at new construction and commercial landscapers. On the residential side, it's really only being put in by uh, developers with gardens larger than 2,500 square feet or existing single-family homes where the landscaped area is more than 5,000 square feet and undergoing a changeover. So a big part is that uh, AB 1881 requires landscapers to use appropriate technology. Oftentimes, you know, this means uh, drip irrigation and smart controllers. It doesn't prohibit the use of certain plants, such as turf grass. It gives you an opportunity to use turf. Uh, it does, though, have a budget as to how much water may be applied to those plants and reduces the statewide ET factor from 0.8 to 0.7. So instead of really dictating what we have to do, it gives us some options. We just have to think more about water management and water conservation as we design and install these systems. And Chuck, I think that's a good thing for the industry. And the other, you know, the one last thing that I think that they added that I think is, is, is really a big benefit and thing I'm, I'm really happy about is, you know, we don't have to see these parkways, uh, you know, uh, overspraying into the street anymore because we don't allow overhead irrigation anymore in areas less than eight feet wide and no uh, overhead irrigation within 24 inches of a non-permeable hardscape. So uh, once again, this should really cut down a lot of the overspray. I think one of the things in, in reading through the legislation that, that I took away was this isn't just, it wasn't just a focus on irrigation system design or irrigation system installation, but, but really sort of a landscape design and landscape installation focus. I know you've mentioned that you know, the designer at Valley Crest kind of had to rethink some of the ways they approached projects because of what this law did. And I want to get to the impacts on you guys as a company in a minute. But before we get to that, I, I'm interested to hear your perspective on what happened in reality after this law was passed. Two years ago, everyone thought this is, this is my end of the world kind of prediction. This law is going to be terrible. People are going to be fined. There's going to be penalties levied. Can you give our listeners sort of the real world, what happened in California after this was enacted? Uh, I, I think you, you, know, you hit the nail on the head. There was a lot of negative hype about it. And I, I understand the concern. And when uh, legislation is enacted in California, many times uh, in all businesses, we see what's enacted in California move east 
So I understand the concern, but at the same time, you know, I really saw it as an opportunity because really the landscape contracting industry has to do something about the amount of water we're using. And so we really need to view this as an opportunity. And the, and the reason I say we have to is if we don't, we'll see stricter laws enacted, stricter legislation. And uh, as long as we can be in control of what's happening, the better it's going to be for the industry. And as you know, I'm on the Irrigation Association's Government and Regulatory Affairs Committee. And I've been back to Washington two times now in the last year and a half and spoke with lawmakers that included John McCain's office, Diane Feinstein's office, Barbara Boxer's office, and everyone has assured me that they want the industry to take care of the problem. At the same mm -hmm. time, I also know that there's people out there that, uh, Glenn Thompson, for instance, legislator from Pennsylvania, who believes that lack of water is a threat to our homeland security. So anytime I hear something as a threat to homeland security, I know that we have a limited amount of time to take care of the issue because anything sure. that's a serious anything that's a serious is threat to homeland security that the government's just not going to be too patient with so 1881 is the opportunity to help guide us as to what the right thing to do for water management is in the landscape industry so we saw all this or we heard about a lot of trouble that it was going to cause but in actuality what i see developers designers and and maintenance companies having to do as a result, it has not put a tremendous strain on our businesses. So when it comes to your your day-to-day -day work, leading Valley Crest, working in California, how has it changed your day-to-day -day operations? What have you guys actually have to, had to modify in your work to comply with this legislation? So it's interesting because I, I don't want to be critical of the legislation, but if I could change a few things, there are a few things that would have changed. And these are the things that probably caused us the most struggle, the most extra work. And once again, for us, it's one thing. For other smaller contractors, you know, I think it becomes even more difficult. But you know, in California alone, there's 531 cities. In L.A. County alone, there's 35 different ordinances. So it wasn't a blanket ordinance. You had to know what the ordinance was, and then you have to know how your water agency adapted the ordinance. And so in the beginning, this, this took some extra research to figure out, you know, where am I? You know, whose who's area am I doing work in, and what is their adaptation of the ordinance? How many different adaptations do you have? You know, quite a few of the uh, different water agencies accepted the model ordinance, but you know some had some minor changes. So uh, you know I, I, I know of a dozen different ones right off the top of my head, and I haven't you know had the opportunity to research them all. And I, I guess mm -hmm. that's my point is having to do the extra research to figure it out. If I could wave a magic wand and have it redone, uh, I would I would have one ordinance that covered you know, just Southern California or one ordinance that covered, you know, Northern California and not so many variations. As you mentioned earlier, regulations that come out of California tend to come east. And I think that's, as you said, I think that's true of, a, of almost everything. So in your opinion, having, having lived under this ordinance for two years and having been at the forefront of having to adapt to it, how do you think contractors can kind of get in front of this issue and help regulate their own industry before the representative from Pennsylvania, for example, steps in and says, this is a homeland security issue, we're going to take care of this for you, and here's how you have to, do, have to run your business right now? So I think if I was a, uh, a contractor in, in some other part of the country, I would start looking at the ordinance today. I would 
really start to adapt some of what I felt were the best management practices suggested in the ordinance. And um, I would uh, market my company as a uh, forward-thinking water conservation specialist. And But people know that um, I was trying to lead change, not uh, stand in the way of it. I think if they do that, then uh, then if the changes come about to their area, they'll be ahead of the game, both in uh, in a business sense and in a water management sense. Based on what this law requires, I mean, it sounds like pretty common sense stuff. It seems like a uh, like a marketing opportunity at at its at its basis level. A absolutely, Chuck. And so many times, uh, especially on the maintenance side, we run into situations where we think the end user customer is just concerned about the monthly price or the annual price. And here's a way that you can really differentiate yourself, show that as a company I've got uh, irrigation associations, certified irrigation people, technicians, irrigation auditors, and you know what, we may be a little bit more on a monthly or an annual basis, but what you'll gain out of the water savings will more than make up for that. So it's really a uh, opportunity to differentiate yourself from the competition. Well, uh, once again, my name uh, is Chuck Bowen, editor at Lawn and Landscape Magazine. You're listening to the Lawn Care Radio Network. Today I was speaking with Richard Restucia, Director of Water Management Solutions at Valley Crest Companies and a regular contributor to Lawn and Landscape Magazine. Again, thank you very much for taking the time to walk us through this somewhat complex but I think very important topic. Thank you, Chuck. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I'd love to do it anytime. And thanks, everyone out there, for listening. Stay tuned to the Lawn Care Radio Network for more stuff from the editors at Lawn and Landscape Magazine.